Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, this is Dr. David Wardy coming at you with my partner in crime, Dr. Nicholas Jensen. How are you, brother? Doing well, buddy. Doing really well. Excited to see you again. And you know, it's funny we are, we get busy chatting, and but you know, before we start recording, and you know, time just goes by. We, you know, there's so much to say to one another, and then we're like, oh, I guess we should record now. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're we press record, and we're gonna get going on brain health, buddy. This is our 95th episode. Wow. We're five away from 100 episodes. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Just wanted to acknowledge you for that. This has been a blast. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's fun to get like kind of like you were talking last week. It's just fun to get on here and hang out every week and talk about some really good topics, man, that help just people kind of experience some more growth and find some answers for their health. And yeah, we love talking about the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, we often like to, you know, encapsulate or just maybe, you know, go on a tangent after having a, a guest or a few guests on a certain topics. And, you know, after having Dr. Mark Gordon on, you know, a number of episodes ago, um, you know, it stirs all sorts of different ideas and conversations because this is, this is an area of brain health is an area that we both, you know, have uh, some expertise in and, and helping people through and then various, you know, traumatic brain injury to addiction, to, um, you know, concussion to, to all sorts of different things that affect the brain, you know, uh, and which eventually affect the hormones and mood and behavior and, you know, weight gain to insomnia. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. It's, it's a really interesting area of the body to, to support and, and to investigate further because it, it just, you know, you see all these wacky ongoing troubled symptoms uh, for these people, you know, after either a big event or after a series of multiple mini events and it's, it's affecting so many people. Well, and the hard part, you know, is uh, I've worked with quite a few people that have had some serious TBI type stuff. And, and it, it, it's hard to see these people in that state, right? And some of them have been in that state for years and they didn't find any answers mm-hmm. to actually help get more healing there. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like, there's a lot of things that can be done to help with healing of your brain. And yeah, let's dive into some of that today and kind of talk about what that picture looks like. Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit about concussion, you and I, on, on the previous episode. So I think even just laying the foundation, you know, what, what do you think sets the stage for, you know, lingering or ongoing symptoms when it comes to, to head injury? Um, and again, these injuries can be pharmaceutically induced. They could be actual trauma. They could be uh, chronic emotional pain and stress. Uh, there's a lot of predispositions that, that lead you know, us down this rabbit hole, even like really toxic, you know, high toxicity in the body uh, and, and really poor food choices that over time can start to dismantle our gut and then starts to create, you know, wreak havoc on the brain. Um, but I think that there's, you know, people stuck in this state often have this, you know, symptomology or this this predisposition of this chronic inflammatory 
situation, which makes, you know, maybe the most recent head injury, uh, the most problematic one or, or seemingly the most problematic, but it's been going on for a while. Right. Maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Well, like you're saying, right, we can have these chronic conditions that slowly lead to this injury of the brain. Right. And then we can have these acute traumas that cause like massive trauma all at once and we kind of unravel and fall apart. So I've worked with both. I think you've had both experiences with both. And, and like you're seeing, you know, they're handled very differently, the chronic ones versus the acute ones. But like some of these people that will present with the acute stuff, I've seen people post-stroke. I have seen people with head trauma. I had a kid um, fall off his motorcycle, uh, massive head trauma. I had another one in a bad four-wheeling accident where he hit a pole and like, really just no quality of life afterward for either one of those individuals. And, it, and you see how this master system, the importance of it and how it plays out into our overall function of how we just move along through life. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, man, like where, where do we get started here? I mean, what do you want to start with as far as maybe let's talk about the mechanism, like you're saying of when they start out with this issue. So, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that Dr. Mark Gordon talked about, I forget what he called it, but he was saying the state of where their health was before the actual traumatic injury to the brain. And I think that actually is one of the bigger ones that will play into where they're at as far as their healing capacity when they do have the trauma and then what that's going to look like for that picture moving forward. Cause it's just a different baseline for everybody. And some people are more susceptible to more damage because of the, the initial state of where they're initially at with their health. Yeah. He was saying something like, you know, even an old injury of 15 years plus, you know, can, can sort of resurface or be start to become a problem. You know, that, that long ago can start to be a, a problem now. Um, and, and I think that that's really eye opening for people to hear this, that, you know, and he said something like 40 million Americans uh, or, you know, uh, are reported with a head injury or some, you know, version of that, which could be all the things that we listed, either an acute event to, you know, toxicity induced to emotional trauma to, you know, the stroke, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, that's a huge amount of people. I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's essentially the, the population of Canada, you know, that's everybody, you know, you know, when we're growing up too, I think, the amount of injuries that I had, even, you know, playing basketball, falling on my head, you know, I, I remember back or blacking out at one point when I was going over a, a jump on a, a BMX bike when I was, must've been like seven, eight years old. Uh, I remember waking, like blacking out, waking up in my friend's living room. And I was like, you know, there's blood all over the place and whatnot. And so it was a total blackout. Um, you know, so obviously I, I didn't land the jump, man. <laughs> But I definitely went over the jump. I don't know what yes. happened after that. Yeah. But I mean, it's like these little things that that just sort of you know you, you recover from, and then and then life goes on, and you don't really think about it. But it, it's fascinating to think that these things that happen when we were younger these are, these are physical traumas, you know. And then you throw on, you know, gut dysbiosis or gut permeability, and you know, we had that great conversation with Dr. Ken Brown and how this, you know chronic gut inflammation leads to brain inflammation, this leakiness, you know, with uh, these integral membrane proteins that help to hold our cells together when that breaks down. So it's create huge problems for leakiness into our brain. And, you know, so it's, it's this setup of, 
um, injury and, you know, toxicity and leaky gut and chronic emotional stress and all that stuff that, that leads to this inflammatory state where our immune system, our brain just doesn't really turn off. We start to interfere with our hormones. And like you said, the master, the master system is offline. It's not communicating. You know, one of the conversations we had before coming on was, was really, you were talking a little bit about your, your approach and creating coherence in the body and, and making sure that there's this, you know, integrity with the, the authority of the brain and its communication capacity with, with every cell and system and tissue and organ and gland in, in the body and, and why that's so important. Well, you just hit it on the head. I mean, it's kind of where it's all at, right? And what people need to understand, whether this is an old injury that's propagated, like you're saying, from poor lifestyle habits later, or we've slowly brought these things on, is these are influencing your ability to adapt to stress and environment and really just function and enjoy your life. So you have to get upstream to some of these things that we're talking about, like me and Nick, and getting to the root of the inflammation. Like Nick said, I mean, the gut's such a big one. And I think it's so overlooked by people. It's amazing how many people I see that they just have very poor digestion. And it's just a normal part of their life, like for decades. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy what people just think is normal. Like I had someone the other day say, oh, I only, I only have a bowel movement like every three days. And I didn't know that was bad. So I started talking to people in my 30s or 40s. And they're like, oh, no, we're, we have one every day. And they're like, oh, maybe something's wrong. Right? But they <laughs> yeah, then had a lady last week. Was, yeah. Like, six days. Right. And But they've had this since they were kids. So yep. they just think it's the norm. So, I mean, you just see this onslaught through the decades of somebody's life. And then it really just starts to show, like we're saying later, Maybe in their 40s, maybe it just took that long before it started, finally started surfacing and showing problems of dysfunction. But like you're saying, I mean, it's no different with some of these injuries to the brain of how it rolls out slowly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man, because I think even just perception is a, plays a big role in where we're at. So many people minimize their issues, too. I have some horrible brain fog. I mean, horrible. And it's not until I ask that question certain ways that they're like, oh, well, I have that. I have that. I have that. And I'm like, that's brain fog. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, they're not functional and they know it. They know they don't feel well, but it's not until you start asking them the right questions. Right. So, I mean, it, it is so important. This is the guy that runs the show. I mean, this is how you're moving on your journey through life and able to handle everything. So if you're not handling it and you're hearing this podcast right now, then there's something definitely needed upstream and you need to work on your brain. Yeah, you know, it's funny that the whole brain fog conversation, I mean, that, that most people don't list, I mean, some do, but most people don't list it on their, you know, intake form that brain fog is an issue. It's not until you have these conversations where people go like, yeah, that's really annoying. Like can't remember names. Um, just constantly like, it's such a struggle to like articulate what it is I want to say, or, you know, uh, recall or I knew that I had this thing to do and I just you know just for the life of me I can't remember what it is anymore and you know all these little things that that just slowly affect the quality of of daily life just start to creep in and you kind of forget where we were going and it's not until actually in some cases where the brain starts performing better and they're like you know what I had I used to have this brutal brain fog, but it was never really articulated because the capacity to even be aware of it isn't, isn't, isn't often there. You know, Dr. Uh, Stephanie Senef talks a lot about, 
you know, the onset of Alzheimer's and how it's expected to be, you know, one on one, you know, by the year, tw- I think it's 2032 or something like that. Basically, everybody's slowly making their way toward this dementia Alzheimer's state. And we don't realize it. And then often the first symptom is this, this brain fog, you know, situation. So I think that, you know, when that's there, that's, that's, it may not be, it may just be annoying right now, but it's probably one of your most important signs that things aren't working well. And, and it may be like insidious in how it starts to show up. And then, you know, you start giving yourself the excuse, oh, it's just because I'm getting older. So of course I forgot that, or of course I can't think properly, you know, so I'm just getting older. And we just, you know, we, we don't pay attention to the warning lights on the dashboard, so to speak, when these kind of symptoms are there. And it's a, it's a big one. And, it, and I think it takes some, you know, recollection of going back and looking at some of these head injuries, you know, taking a look at digestive function, you know, how's your sleep doing? Am I more irritable now? Am I not able to handle that stress that maybe I was able to handle before, you know, the hormonal system. The spine is huge with what we're talking about. Now I'm hearing you talk about Alzheimer's and some stuff I've been looking at lately because they're doing more research and they're showing that people that have loss of curvature, whether it's in the cervical, the lumbar spine, and they have what's called adverse mechanical cord tractioning. When they have cord traction, they're actually finding these people have less circulation moving into their brain. So imagine going decades with this loss of curvature in your spine and this cord tractioning, and you're just constantly not feeding enough, basically blood supply to the brain to feed it what it needs to function all day. That's massive. And they're showing that that's actually leading to Alzheimer's and dementia later in life and affecting your brain. So that's just another adjunct, man. I mean, our overall spinal health, right? So, I mean, we're, I mean, it's, it's funny, right? But we just keep adding things to this list. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, that fog is an indicator that things aren't running right. And it's coming from somewhere. And I would tell our listeners, if you're foggy and you're processing on a daily basis, how well do you think that nervous system is talking to all your cells? Mm-hmm. Probably just as just as well as is the fog, right? So like, it's not functioning. So this is going to play out in more ways than just how you process and move, you know, through like your cognition and your memory. I mean, it's that's all heading downstream, like you're saying, to our glands and our organs and our hormone expression and its ability to do its job. Yeah. Well, you know, tell you what, I, I um, through your recommendation, I started using Final Cut Pro to edit right. stuff, right? You're getting good at it too, buddy. It's, it's coming along. I'm yeah. getting a little faster with it. But the, the thing is, and maybe, you you know, this could this conversation can take place offline, of course. But um, what I find is that the library really, like, builds up a huge reservoir of all these things that I'm compiling. And, and it's like, it's eating up a lot of hard drive space. You know, I just, I think I cleared like three or 400 gigs off uh, the hard drive just this morning. And, you know, what we notice with our hard drives is that, you know, the computer starts getting warmer, programs don't open as quick, you know, things are just slow in general. You can tell the, the computer is working harder than it needs to. And that, I mean, that's a perfect analogy for the brain as well. It's like when we don't remove these stressors, you know, the stressor could be the medication, it could be the food, it could be the addiction, it could be sugar, it could be the smoking, it could be the lack of activity, it could be the poor sleep, the chronic emotional self-defeating discussion that you're having in your head, you know, whatever those things are, that's literally like your hard drive kind of maxing out to the point where steam starting to come out of your ears. And it's, it's playing a role as like symptom issues. And if you're going to be tired, you're, 
you're going to make bad choices because you're just going to keep choosing foods that stimulate you or the coffee or the wine to wind you down at nighttime, you know, or the coffee to get you going in the morning. And, and you're constantly like, you know, putting your memory onto these external hard drives, which actually don't exist. And, you know, you're expecting your body to keep performing the same way. And you start using the excuse. It's just because I'm getting older. So, you know, we got to clean the hard drive. So, um, where, where would you start with someone, you know, when this kind of situation is going on? So typically, honestly, because I just see it so much, a gut is a really good place to start, man. I mean, most people need to clean up their diet. Yeah. You know, you're saying like the sugar, right? And the toxic fats. And a lot of people are just overdoing it with gluten. Gluten's a big one, man. Yeah. Honestly, for the brain fog and just overall functioning, I would say that like people that are gluten intolerant that are still eating that and not aware, that's the, probably one of the biggest things I'd get back once I'd get them off of it is they're like, oh my God, like I've noticed this massive difference in like how I experience my day and like I'm not foggy and I don't feel down. And just from removing an irritant that was driving inflammation in their gut. So you add sugar as well. And you add toxic fats because you're eating out too much and you're eating all these, you know, oxidized toxic fats. When you just take those three, right? we've learned about those big three, mm-hmm. you just remove those off the table and you're going to be in a whole lot better shape in 30 days than you were before you didn't, right? I mean, the gut's always a good place to start just because of the systemic effect it has on the nervous system that gut brain access. So I would say the gut is probably one of the easiest places to start Yeah, because that can be done like right now. You know, what's interesting too, is like, you know, it's easy to look at the body and go, oh, it's too complicated. Or, you know, I've got this, I don't know, Lyme diagnosis, or I've got this mitochondrial disorder, or I've got, you know, this diagnosis, whatever it may be, I, I you know, I'm chronically depressed. And it's, it's like, we often, I'm not saying that these things aren't real, and they're not a problem. But we often get so tied to this state of dis-ease that we just think that, you know, it must be really complicated. I'm, I'm sort of a unique individual in the way that I express uh, my illness. And um, it's going to be really complicated to get me healthy again. And I think, you know, this is, this is where we often, you know, put this reality or impose this reality onto our, our plan. And then we sort of just don't really get anywhere. And unfortunately, if we don't start making choices, we do start moving down a path into, you know, medication where we're really, you know, we we could have avoided that had we just taken more consistent action. You know, the reality is the body's going to heal at its own pace and we just have to be okay with that process as well. But, you know, there's often signs in as you clean up the gut that, you know, like you said, you start thinking a little more clearly and whatnot, but it's absolutely essential. You know, we can't expect to heal the body when we're putting poison into our system in the form of, you know, under the guise of this is food, you know, and it's not. Well, um, I mean, it's scary because there's still doctors that say, oh, your diet doesn't have anything to do with your health. And like my freaking skin like cringes when I hear stuff. It's, it's pretty awful. But I mean, you're right, man. I mean, it's don't overcomplicate it is the biggest thing I would tell people. Like I don't, I try to keep things as simple as possible for myself. Right. And like you're saying, an illness is just an expression of what the body is showing you from something up a little bit higher up in the stream. That's not working properly. Yeah. So when you kind of just focus and just do one thing at a time, you start to see these changes. And like we're saying, the gut is just a really good place to start if you're struggling with anything with the brain. 
Yeah. So let's talk, okay, optimal digestion. You're having daily bowel movements, hopefully two to three a day, especially if you're having two to three meals. Um, you're drinking lots of water. Uh, your stools are fully formed like bananas. Um, yeah. no, they're not mucusy. There's no, you know, undigested food. There's no blood in your stool. They, you know, the sink versus float. Um, they're nice brown, light brown color. Uh, you know, what are some other characteristics? Of, uh, you're not gassy, bloated. You know, you're not burping all the time, farting all the time. Um, yeah. No cramping. You know, it's pretty, pretty solid. You know, you're... You're actually go ahead. And you want to know why you just want consistency with all those things, right? Because yeah. I mean, we can have inconsistencies with constipation and diarrhea and gas and stuff. But like if you're noticing it's becoming more of a common thing with you, then there's some serious problems going on. So number one, the diet has to change. But then sometimes we need to support those glands and those organs with certain things to help us, right? So I keep it simple with that, man. I mean. I usually start with some stuff that just helps bring inflammation down in the gut, kind of helps with some dysbiosis, helps with the immune system, some immunoglobulin therapy. And then enzymes is another great place to start, especially when our bowel movements are great. You know, a lot of people, and I'll talk about this real quick, when we're under a lot of stress, when you're under chronic stress, your body has a really hard time digesting food. It doesn't basically produce the right enzymes. And enough of it and the ph balance is going to be thrown off in your upper gi tract so then you're actually not breaking your food down when you're eating it so then imagine that food running through your gi tract undigested and then it's just driving inflammation all the way through the small intestine and the large intestine and this is where we get in trouble with the whole brain you yeah. know, gut connection that enteric nervous system and once all those nerves get inflamed and we're having brain inflammation. And this is where a lot of this stuff's coming from. So like me and Nick are talking to just keep it simple right now and just focus on eating better. And then if you need something to help assist you for a while, you may need to get on a supplement regimen for a while temporarily till you start to get function back in regular bowel movements. And, you know, like you're saying, no gas or bloating and all those other things, but also be a detective here. Pay attention to what you're digesting well and what you're not digesting well. Pay attention to how you feel after you eat certain things. And don't be aloof about it and just keep eating the stuff that you know is irritating your body. There's a lot of good things out there for us, but we don't digest them all well, number one. Mm -hmm. So everybody's different at digesting different things. And then, like I'm saying, like some people will just keep eating the same shit, even though they feel bad. All right. But you can't really do that. You got to play detective a little bit and work on these things. A little bit. Yeah. You know, that topic of detective, I mean, this is where you can, you can test, you can look at food sensitivities, find out if something's inflaming you or activating your immune system. You can find out, you know, a, a stool test will tell you about your microbiology or your enzyme production or, you know, there's the organic a, acids test. Totally. Test. Yeah. There's, so a, there's a lot test. Yeah, there's a lot you can do to investigate more clearly so that you know because often we can sort of bang our heads against the wall like i don't really know what's going on or like why this is happening and you know sometimes you know getting a test done can be super helpful so the gut is important um now one of the other things that i especially with brain injury and, and whatnot i think is really important and dr mark gordon does a really good job of explaining this whole thing and and there's a, there's a very particular molecule that he brought up uh, called fractalkin, which is this, this marker that can be measured in the brain, which is associated with this chronic brain inflammation. And, uh, you know, maybe you measure that, but you also want to measure the hormones because the hormones are um, 
a reflection of how that communication system is going. And so you could do a, you know, a Dutch test, which looks at, you know, the diurnal variation or how cortisol changes or fluctuates through the day. You're going to look at all the metabolites for all the hormones. Um, it gives an incredible amount of information to find out how the hormonal system is operating, or you could do a blood test, which is going to give, uh, you know, it's going to give decent information. It's not as good as a Dutch test, but it'll tell you some interesting things. Uh, the, the challenge is the hormones are pulsatile and how they secrete. And so when you're looking at a blood test, you know, that's not, it's, it's more like that's, that's what it looked like, you know, in the morning. And if you can get a hormone blood test, it should always be done in the morning. Um, but, uh, so there's details that you can gather about the speed of your healing. And if, you know, your brain, your brain needs those hormones in order to heal and it needs those hormones to bring down inflammation. And if, if they're really depleted, it's going to be really hard to regulate that inflammatory effect. And, and the other thing is like, there's a huge amount of receptor sites for these hormones in the brain. And so again, when the body levels are low, whether it be serum or the metabolites in the urine, you know, you're not recycling these hormones back into the, into the brain to stimulate healing. So sometimes we have to, you know, do some rounds of maybe it's bioidentical hormones or there's some uh, herbals and other things that help stimulate the release of these hormones. Uh, there's roles for even peptides, which are sort of, you know, uh, an area of medicine that, that are really for research purpose only at this point. But you know, uh, and maybe some of the building blocks, amino acids and things like that. So there's a lot to be said about hormonal health and, and brain recovery. Oh, and something I would add to that, and this is just with what I see in my experience, it's always good to, like Nick is saying, is to assess and test these things and support your body maybe with what it needs if there's deficiencies. But kind of what I've seen just over a long term of testing people, whether I did like hormone testing or let's say, like you're talking, you're checking blood levels or saliva, we're looking at cortisol is we're kind of seeing the picture, right? We're kind of seeing what is currently expressing in the body. But what I've actually found with the nervous system and the brain is when we're in what I call neural fatigue, which means that you're basically, your nervous system cannot keep up with the amount of stress that you're placing on your body. So when you're in a state of this neural fatigue, you have something called the neuroendocrine backup system or neurohormonal backup system where this, your hormones are basically working overtime to try to basically deal with the stress you're placing on your body. But the reality is here is you can't take any shortcuts to improving hormone expression in the body if you don't remove the stress. And this is so huge. And I just feel like not enough doctors spend time with their patients and explain this because most of the time when I run these panels, the big issue is they're constantly shunting all their resources to deal with cortisone and cortisol production. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have a, a, this, this imbalance of the expression of their hormone cascade. Yeah. So like we're talking about with your diet and all these other things that we're going to kind of get into, you have to get to, to the root cause of your stress. And this may be a mental, emotional trauma. You know, this, this could be the way you eat. This could be, you know, physical things i mean there's there's a lot of things there right but again it's like playing detective like what are the heavy things in my life that are driving my stress mm -hmm. because that's what you have to go after i mean some people it's their job man mm -hmm. like i saw a patient today she knew she knew exactly what made her sick i mean two years into her job she ended up having like a ton more responsibility doing basically the work of three people overworking. She's been doing it for two years straight. And she's like, I started getting sick the moment I had to go to that kind of RPMs at work. And she knows it. That's what made her sick. 
Mm-hmm. So we had literally talked about her quitting her job and finding another place to work because we can do a lot of things, but if, if it's, if she's in that place of she just cannot sustain in that type of work environment, it doesn't matter how much we do to her body. Yeah. That's so, the point you brought up. Yeah. I mean, like I always spend a little bit of time there, man, because I just see a lot of doctors throwing more hormones at people and we're not hormone deficient. You're not expressing your hormones because of your stress levels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not against doing bioidentical stuff and giving a little support and doing these things. It's great. But the reality is the reason you're having to do that sometimes is because there's too much stress. And if that's what you're seeing in your labs when you test, you can't just keep doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and then take some hormones and think I'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's important. And, and the, what I always tell people too is it, it's important to recognize that these are these are tools and a bit of a crutch to maybe lift your body a bit while you're doing that really, really important work, which is going upstream to figure out, you know, what's, you know, what's creating neural fatigue, what's, you know, what's driving this whole, you know, emotional, uh, neurological endocrine adaptation, you know, cause that's all it is. It's a, it's a response to that, that whatever that trauma was, right. Or that recurring trauma is, you know, like you said, food based too. So super important. So let's talk about the we talked about biochemistry, the, the, uh, we kind of alluded to some of the neuro, uh, neurology, but, uh, and then we also talked about obviously the gut brain, but let's talk, let's talk about that sort of, uh, neurological mer- merging into the, the emotional realm a little bit more clearly. So one of the big things I see, man, just with the kind of way I, I go about assessing people and helping them is we have a massive disorganization of the cortexes of our brain and we have very underactive prefrontal cortexes. So when we start losing that executive function, a lot of times it's because we're not emotionally and mentally handling our life and our our world very well. So typically what I'll see, and these are telltale signs, is I ask people, are you stuck in your brain all day? Can you turn your brain off? And most of them will say, oh, no, when it's time to go to bed, I can't turn my brain off. Or I wake up in the middle of the night, and my brain's like running a million miles an hour. That should not be happening, everybody. Like you should have enough executive function to turn that off when you need to and silence it, right? But when you find yourself not able to do that, we're not in a good place. And the longer that you're there, we're going to have a lot of problems. And the other piece of that, man, is being present and experiencing the moment. So many people are stuck in the near present future and the past with their thinking all day long. That what they don't understand is when you're doing that, you're in a chronic state of stress. There goes my little thing off my camera. (laughs) That's what fell. That's you. Dr. Strange, yeah. (laughs) Um, Diego gave that to me for my office. Um, But when we're in this place, man, where was that? I was talking about, oh, just mindfulness, right? When you can't live your day and just experience the moment, you're in a chronic state of stress if that's not where you're at neurologically. Mm-hmm. And this is what contributes to a lot of the stuff that me and Nick are talking to. Like if you don't have that self-awareness and that control of your mind, you're chronically in stress and it's just blowing you out. You can't sustain that very long. The longer you're there, the longer things are going to break down. All the way to where that kind of will turn into things like 
We talked brain fog that can turn into, I don't have a lot of energy that can turn into, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not digesting food well. And that can go all the way into just, I have pain now. I don't, I don't usually have pain and now my back's hurting or, you know, you're starting to have pain show up in different places in the body. And this is really just showing a representation of the amount of chronic stress render your body's inability to adapt to it. But my biggest thing I would tell people is how aware are you? that that's where you're at. It's just having more self-awareness, which is how we get better with the mind. Yeah. But you're, you're a guru with that, man. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And just, just to, to back up what you're saying, you know, neurologically we can see that. So we, we run brain maps on people and we can find out that their yeah, <laughs> prefrontal cortex is like just all jacked up and, and not functioning properly. And there's massive Delta you know, Delta wave expression of theta. So it's kind of like their, their brain's asleep, even though they're, you know, talking, walking and doing all the things that they do. Uh, and then often we see like even the occipital lobes lit up, you know, often with these head injuries, there's like this sort of whiplash phenomenon. And these people often aren't, aren't dreaming at nighttime. Uh, obviously there's could be insomnia and restlessness, but there's this constant state of catch up, uh, you know, of the brain trying to catch up uh, with sleep. And it's like the prefrontal cortex or the executive function is just kind of shut down. It's like, there's, there's no one there to help regulate. And so you can see that from a power perspective, a neurological power uh, in this diversion of resources. And, you know, often even people will say anxiety, you know, getting into the emotional world. You, know, you think of like anxiety is just a super active brain. It's like, it's like constantly on the go, but often it's kind of like, it's this phenomenon of this neural fatigue where basically the, the brain's trying to hit the gas pedal, but there's nothing there to press. And so it's like this, this inner conflict of massive fatigue and then anxious that we're not how we're supposed to be. And so that, you know, it's, it's not so straightforward. This just this gas pedal down. Often it's because of low power. And so there's, there's anxiety there and depression can be the opposite, you know? And so it's fascinating to be able to see, individually speaking what's happening as far as where this power distribution is happening in the brain neurologically and um and then you know helping people to reconnect it and so david helps to reconnect that through nis a lot of the work that he does and i help to do that through neurofeedback and obviously we both love you know brain tap and some of the you know retinal flash <clears throat> excuse me programs that you can do and so the brainwave entrainment uh type exercises that are really helpful um, along with, you know, your, your meditation, your breath practice, your presence practice, your, your ability to, um, you know, self-regulate despite being in a, you know, stressful, traumatic, triggering environment. Um, all these are sort of giving the power back to the brain to, 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 to heal essentially. Right. Well, on bigger picture there, I would say to our listeners, are you living from the outside in or from the inside out? Because yeah. honestly, that self-awareness is, is huge in what we're discussing, right? Like so many people are in constant reaction versus in creation. Mm -hmm. And when you're in creation, I feel like you're in a much better place to have that prefrontal cortex and that executive function and that conductor kind of conducting that orchestra in the brain. But when it's the other way around, you're letting your environment run you and you're just like the product of everything that's happening <laughs> in your environment so like that's not a good place to be yeah you brought up a really i love that you said creativity or creation and, and you know i've heard this been said before maybe it's by you but it's like consumption versus creation and so what happens when we're in consumption we got our phones in front of us and we're scrolling stuff that we have no real interest in but 
there's flashing lights and messages and you know friends that you see through your pictures and you wonder what they're doing <laughs> this consumption state when you find yourself there your brain's your 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 brain's fatigued you're looking for a way to to wake yourself up or dopamine hit what have you and uh creation's you know something different it's maybe being out in nature it's maybe actually being artistic and actually creating something it's maybe being in a space where you're in a receptive mode where you're meditating and creating a new body through visualization um, or maybe you're creating a stronger relationship with your partner your loved ones your kids and you're not you know in a state of consumption consumption can also be feeding that addictive behavior you know looking for the sugar looking for the things to you know help you meet the moment or help you calm down um, and it's that sort of cycle of, of addiction, that frequency of addiction, like Tommy Rosen likes to say, that we find ourselves in when we're constantly in consuming, uh, in this consuming state. So, you know, so much stuff to think about here. And, you know, I think what Dave and I really wanted to spell out for you guys was that, you know, it doesn't need to be super complicated. And if we just really try to find some building blocks and, and, and ways to get back to ourselves. And that self-awareness, as you said, so, so beautifully, David. Um, so what are some like tools, you know, that you, you like to implement for people um, outside of, let's say, maybe like a, a treatment-based process? So I, I love breath work, man. We just talked about this a couple episodes ago. I'm getting more into something called somatorespiratory integration. Uh, it's Donnie Epstein's work with Network Spinal. But it's breath work kind of with meditation and some self-awareness all mixed together, right? Mm -hmm. But it gets you into this state, like you're saying, of really working from the inside out. And it brings kind of, I feel like it brings you back to that, that, that set point that we all need to kind of come back to all the time, especially if we can't achieve that. Yeah. And then outside of breathing work, because breath's amazing, right? Breath can do a lot of things for our brain. Most of the time we're not breathing, right? So we're not getting oxygen up to our brain, which is a biggie, right? Um, and then the brain tap. I love the brain tap, man. I'm a big advocate for brain tap. It's so easy. You just throw it on. You don't even have to use the retinal flashing all the time. You can just throw the headphones on and go about your day doing something else and, and get a treatment. And uh, one of the analogies I give people, like you were talking earlier, with like we're in that stuck in that delta theta state. And that's why a lot of times we're having this really hard time functioning throughout the day. Um, so imagine your brain like is like a sports car and it needs to shift gears like a Ferrari. But when you can't shift gears effectively from your day cycle to the night cycle when you sleep to when you need to sit down and focus and learn to when you need to listen and pay attention over here, we're going to have some issues. So the brain tap just helps kind of start to create more of this neuroplasticity and starts to, you know, fire and wire together. And it does some what we call pruning on these old pathways, but it helps kind of restructure the brain a little bit to help us start to rehabilitate to get there. So some of us just need a little bit of help. So we can't always meditate. Some people don't like doing breath work. So that's kind of a no-brainer. It's very easy to do. You just have to lay back on your bed or however you want to do it. Just put the thing on and use it, right? Yeah, uh, we, yeah I love that one. It's actually cool to see so th thermographic imaging of the brain when it's like in its hot state versus the calm state that it shows up in as, uh, you know, that's just thermal imaging of, of the brain. Um, and just how calm it is, you know, after, after the brain tap. Um, and the other, other ones, like, you know, we talked a little bit about food, you know, supplementation. We always talk about your, your core building blocks, amino acids, fatty acids. There's a, you know, a whole protocol that we implement for amino acid therapy and healing the brain. 
Um, we mentioned other things like things that can support the, the hormonal system in some cases just to help with the inflammation. Um, and then water and fasting, right? I mean, those are, those are powerful ones. You got to hydrate, you're, you're going to have a medium to, to deliver nutrients to the body. Um, and then you got to turn on the, the ketone production in the brain. You got to start to, you know, divert the energy resources away from sugar and into fat. And so there's, you know, tools for uh, improving brain function just with, you know, those simple things. Well, and I would say if you want to go a little deeper outside of the things me and Nick are talking about, neurofeedback. So go see a neurofeedback practitioner and have them do some scanning and then custom treatments on the brain to start rewiring things to balance you out. Uh, go see an NIS practitioner, neurological integration system. You know, there's a lot of things available out there, even all the way to, I would say, some of these vagal stimulating devices they now have for the vagus nerve. Those are, are showing big uh, improvements for people's ability to adapt to stress and get them out of these chronic states. At a patient, I did a consult with like a month ago. He came in for his ROF like a month later because he had to travel and do some stuff. And we had had a long conversation about where he was at after I assessed him. And the guy was very proactive in his healing, went and learned all this vagal stuff. He came back like a month later. He's doing a ton better. Mm -hmm. And he was he's like, man, I'm doing so much good, doc. You hit it on the head with the vagus nerve. I've been doing all this stuff. And it's been helping me so much with my stress levels. I mean, but you're just talking about someone who literally took a proactive approach versus just yeah. kind of waiting for something to happen. I mean, that was really... <laughs> The only thing I could tell you that made the big difference, but this guy just really wanted to get well. Um, so the vagal stuff is massive for what we're talking about as well. Yeah. When I hear you say that, like that, that's just, that's you getting back in your body really. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so movement, you know, and, or, you know, you can obviously do some more very specific stimulation. We talked, we've talked on this previous, on previous episodes about the lymphatic system and just, you know, opening up that flow in the body and just being in flow by being active in your, in your physical body. Obviously that plays a huge role in, you know, weightlifting and inter high, inter high intensity interval training is great for stimulating BDNF in the brain, which help, which is brain drive neurotropic factor to help stimulate new connections. Like you talked about the pruning and the, the wiring together of the, um, uh, of the nervous system. So there's, I mean, some of this stuff is seemingly so simple and yet it has such a profound effect. And we did, we talked about grounding a few episodes ago, you know, just getting your feet on the earth and creating the electrical, you know, grid, you know, replugging back into that electrical grid of the, of the planet, getting in the sun. I mean, you know, checking your vitamin D levels. I mean, there's so many, so many things. And sometimes we just have to pick a couple, check them off the list, move on to the next thing. And they're all super important. Well, limp's huge, man. I'm, we should have probably talked a little bit more about that. I mean, Perry talks about uh, a third of your lymph in your system comes from your brain. Yeah. So if you're not sleeping well and we're not getting that good, deep, restorative sleep, you're not actually detoxing your brain at night. You can have a backup of that sewage system in your brain. And yeah. hell yeah, that's going to affect inflammation and brain fog and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. you've got to have that sewage system running, like Nick's saying. So that doesn't just go with maybe doing some self-lymphatic work, but also just moving. Yeah. Like we don't move enough. You know, rebounding is great. If you don't want to move that much, just get a mini tramp and start bouncing every day or one of those vibration plates. I mean, there's lots of stuff that could be done here. Yeah. Uh, but like Nick is saying, like, it doesn't have to be complicated sometimes. Sometimes you just have a list of things to check out, like he's saying, and all of a sudden you try one, maybe you got a little bit too, eh, and then all of a sudden you do the third thing and you see this massive shift. 
Yeah. Well, that's just telling you that, oh, you found some part of your system that's not working well. well. You assisted it to do its job a little better, and now you're feeling better and seeing improvements. Mm-hmm. And that's that detective work like I'm talking, right? Yeah. You know, I had a patient tell me the other day, like, her limp was – like, she has trouble with her lymphatics, right? She's autoimmune. But she felt like everything was backing up. She started to feel like crap at the end of the day. She's like, I felt so bad. She's like, I got home, and she's like – I was in such bad shape. She's like, I just literally laid down on the bed. And she's like, all I could think of was to just do some vagal nerve stimulation. So she sat there for like 20 minutes and just focused on her vagus nerve, ended up passing out. She slept, she said all night, woke up and felt amazing the next day. So like she just took a proactive approach and thought, what can I do? And then she tells me, and then my limp started draining the next day and I didn't feel backed up anymore. So her system kind of rebooted and came back online. So sometimes just having that proactiveness and just learning more about your body and what works and what does it plays a big role. And that was her thing. She's like, it's amazing. I just did one thing and it completely was able to shift me back to a better state. And, and, and honestly, like I'm saying, it's, it's sometimes it's more simple than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a good, that's a good message to end it on. And I mean, <laughs> you and I have got so many different toys and different tools and tricks and, things that, that, you know, that we could keep going on. But uh, I think that's a really important message. You know, when we, when we hit this experience of these chronic symptoms and this, or this insidious onset or this, you know, acute injury uh, or this repetitive emotional trauma, that's not clearing, you know, sometimes we just need to take a few of these really simple action steps and, and I'd also go on with the mindset. Like it's not that it didn't work. It just wasn't the right recipe for you. And so it doesn't even mean that it's wrong. So maybe it, it was to your point, it was the breath work together with the movement with the hydration and then getting some specific vagal nerve stimulation. Maybe it was like those things together. It's just you didn't see the effect until you implemented, you know, the last piece of the recipe puzzle. And then it's a new recipe because there's a new version of you that's now showing up because now that lymphatic system is moving and you're eating better and you're moving better. And there's just more to put on, you know, we, I think we're so quick to classify something as good or bad, right or wrong. This didn't work or did. And we are forgetting that like we're a fully integrated system requiring all this, you know, attention to detail. I actually had a patient earlier today. She's like, you're, you're like a mechanic. You're just, it's all, it's almost easier when I, I give you more refined information and then you can refine the plan more. And I'm like, that's exactly it. It's like, the more we get to know ourselves, the more efficiently as a doctor, we can help you because you're taking that uh, awareness approach and that observation and re- recognizing the little intricacies of, of the, the details. And, uh, and it's like when I talk to David about these little things, we come with a backdrop of already doing, you know, A through Z. And it's like this extra little piece that we just needed to just fine tune things and tweak things. So it's that much better. And that's, Essentially, that's what we're asking of each individual that tunes in is to like, you're going to, you're that self, it goes back to self-awareness really. Yeah, and and to, to second what you just said, no system in the body gets injured alone, works alone or heals alone. So like what Nick is saying is sometimes we have to do all of it and it synergistically will start to show its magic, but focus on the process, not the result. You know, and remember, it's these little things that we do daily that stack up over time and make the big changes. Okay, there's no shortcuts. There's no quick fixes. You got to put in a little bit of this work to get what you want. But don't be discouraged if 
it's not happening just in one week. You probably have to go a little bit longer than that if you want to start to see results and stuff changing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think there, there's enough things in there p- people can pick apart for, for home play. Um, you know, just pick one of those things that we discussed and, and start applying it. And then maybe next week you start something new. All right, my brother, that was a great, great uh, synopsis and discussion on, on healing the brain and, and where to target and where to pay attention to. Um, look forward to the next week. And 96, right? Yes, sir. 96, man. We're almost to 100. On the road. On the road to 100. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. And David, I'll see your beautiful face next week. Um, All right, brother. More, ama- more amazing information to come. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.